Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. We are live on AMP. So don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, or listening on the podcast feeds that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. Round two coverage of the NBA playoffs here at Hoops Tonight is brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? All right, so we are going to be hitting on a bloodbath of a series. I know, who would have seen that coming between the Nuggets and the Suns in a uh, a big, uh, a little bit of a predicament that the Suns are finding themselves in down 2-0. And then James Harden. Uh, puts the latest chapter in his revenge campaign, a 45-point destruction of the Boston Celtics in Boston without Joel Embiid as Boston tricks off yet another game with late-game execution. Lots of stuff to get into. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So, you know, when the Lakers were engaged in a couple of nasty games, or I should say a nasty game with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then this nasty series with the Memphis Grizzlies, there were a lot of people that were saying things like, hey, um, those two teams are terrible. Both of them can't score. Look at them. They They're not as good as these other teams that are playing in these free-flowing series. And one of the things I said during that series is rock fights are a natural part of the NBA playoffs. Nobody is immune to them. You guys might remember in the uh, 2016 NBA Finals, a certain very famous Game 7 between the Cavs and the Warriors, the Warriors scored 89 points in a game, despite being one of the highest-powered offenses in the league that year. The truth of the matter is, no matter what type of team you are, as soon as the the game takes a certain type of energy, whether that's a physical game where the refs are allowing a lot of contact to go, where suddenly your skill shots stop working, 
it devolves into this uber physical, lots of uncalled fouls. No one can make a damn shot. Even guys that you expect to make shots and shots that they've made their entire career suddenly don't go in. Nobody is immune. Now, when you see two unbelievable defensive teams, every game's going to be like that. That's what Lakers-Grizzlies was, right? This series, there's a lot more offensive skill, and there's a lot of guys on the floor that are known to take some defensive possessions off for the sake of kind of saving their legs for the offensive end. So this series will have more free-flowing games. And I will not be surprised if one of game, one of the two games in Phoenix ends up being a higher-scoring affair as a game takes on that certain type of feel. But no matter what... This type of game is the type of game that can happen a lot in the NBA playoffs. And more and more, the further you get along as you run into better and better defenses that are playing with more and more physicality and intensity, and the refs are letting more and more go. And that's where I think the Suns are in some trouble. Because one of the things that I've said consistently is that when you rely on pull-up jump shooting as your primary form of offense... You have the potential to go cold. There is variance in pull-up jump shooting. And here's the problem. This series has been so physical, at least on the Phoenix side of things, that we are two games in now, and they're not making their pull-up jump shots. Not nearly at the rate that they normally do. Devin Booker had a better shooting night tonight, but KD was way off. KD had a better shooting night. He shot 40% on pull-up jumpers in game one, but Devin Booker was way off. And here's the thing. Pull-up jump shots, they look like these skill type of shots. And they are. But they're massive uh, uh, athleticism play. If I am dribbling over the top of a screen and I've got a player coming behind me to apply back pressure and I need to elevate over a rim protector that's coming up to contest, I need to get a ton of lift on those shots. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in particular pride themselves at uh, 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 for the way that they practice these shots at game speed. But... They're used to playing a certain type of effort defensively. And in game one, they weren't able to match that. The Suns came with a much better defensive effort in game two. I thought Devin Booker and Chris uh, and uh, Kevin Durant in particular were phenomenal on the defensive end of the floor. But that takes effort. That effort drains your legs. And on the other end of the floor, when you need to get that lift into that tough pull-up jumper... All of the timing is off. You're not getting as much lift. So you've got to compensate with more in your release. When you're putting more into your release, the entire calibration of the thing is off. I saw Devin Booker pull up a transition three in the first quarter that went three feet over the rim and carried off the backboard. He was wide open. I watched Chris Paul, I believe it was in the second quarter, come over a ball screen, get tons of separation by the right elbow, elevate nice and high and shot it a foot and a half over the back of the rim. A shot he's been making his entire career. Pull-up jump shooting requires a great deal of, of conditioning and lift. And when you play in these super physical games, it's harder to get that lift. Nikola Jokic made 17 field goals in this game. 14 of them were in the paint. Go on your ESPN app or something where you've got a shot chart. And look up Nikola Jokic's shot chart. Look at where all those field goal attempts are. In a game like this, that devolved down into a rock fight, 
where Jamal Murray can't make a shot. Kevin Durant can't make a shot. Nobody on the floor can make the normal pull-up jump shots that they make who suddenly became the best player on the floor. Nikola Jokic. In game four of that Lakers-Grizzlies series, when Anthony Davis couldn't make a shot, and Desmond Bain got cold, and John Morant couldn't make a shot, and no one, uh, and D'Angelo Russell and, 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 and Austin Reeves cooled off, who was the one guy who suddenly was able to score? It was LeBron James. That, that's why I look beyond, you know, what, like there's a culture in basketball these days that focuses on the bag, so to speak, and the skill set. And that stuff, not only is it monumentally important, it's one of my favorite parts of the game. Building out your skill set, building out all of that dribble package, going every direction, shooting off of any footwork, fading over both shoulders, step backs, you know, side steps, all the little floaters and pop shots in the lane. They're all incredibly important. But at the end of the day, basketball is a contact sport. And as we go back, look at who ends up winning finals MVP every year. Right? Like Steph Curry's a finesse player. That's kind of an outlier, right? But the year before that, it's Giannis, like a dude who thrives in rock fights. The year before that, it's LeBron James, a dude who thrives in rock fights. The year before that, it's Kawhi Leonard, the biggest, strongest wing in the on the planet, not named LeBron James. These kinds of guys thrive in this environment because it devolves down from the beautiful form of basketball into a different type of beauty, a competitive beauty that is the physical knockdown dragout fight. I thought that you saw uh, an adjustment that we talked about in our series preview. I, to- I told you guys that I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets ended up putting Nikola Jokic on Josh Koji at the end of the games, and they ended up doing that tonight. Bogged down the Suns' offense. I think at one point in the fourth quarter, they were 4 for 20 from the field. And I mean, this is the most concerning part. Like, Chris Paul being out's a big deal. Um, it's my father-in-law's birthday, and we were watching the game together tonight uh, to celebrate. And and he goes like, oh, well, I think they're better without Chris Paul. And I was disagreeing with him because I said, yeah, I know Chris Paul's not having the same type of season that you expect from a player of his caliber with his resume. But the truth of the matter is, is it, it goes beyond that. Off of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, when they are applying that much pressure on those guys, Chris Paul is a connective piece. If KD is going to hit Josh Okoji on a roll because Nikola Jokic is ignoring him, they're starting a four-on-three. And if that four-on-three is Chris Paul with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and someone like you know Josh Okoji or Torrey Craig, you might be okay. Or Damian Lee, you might be okay. But sub out Chris Paul, an extremely high IQ, great ball handler that can at least competently score on high quality shots, and you fill that in with another end of the bench guy, that's a problem. Two guys on the in uh, uh, consistently in the rotation down the end of this game for uh, for Phoenix were guys that would not make an NBA rotation anywhere else in this playoff field. I told you guys uh, before this playoff run that I still believe. Phoenix can win a title this year, but it's next year that I'll be most worried about them because they'll be able to supplement this with more NBA-level talent. They're going to be able to bring in players that can do these jobs a little bit better. And this series is not over, but this is what I noticed so far. Phoenix has to play their stars huge minutes to have any chance, and one of them already broke down. 
The Josh Okoji minutes, he's been great on the defensive end of the floor. He had a great night tonight defensively, but the dude just can't, the, the dude's killing you on the offensive end. They have no depth of offensive talent or that can play both ends of the floor, and they rely entirely on pull up jump shooting. Devin Booker can get to the rim. He gets to the rim better than most players at his position, but he's a finesse get to the rim guy. He is a guy who beats you off the dribble with side to side moves and gets to the rim. In a physical series where he's getting... There were several plays tonight where Devin Booker's getting downhill. Dudes are grabbing his arms. He's getting fouled, but everyone's getting fouled. He's not the only one it's not getting called for. All of a sudden, the massive human beings on the floor suddenly become the most valuable. Now, Kevin Durant missed a lot of shots he normally takes. And that dude... Normally makes, I should say. And that dude has had a lot of games in his career... Big playoff games under hugely physical environments where he's been great. He's, like Steph Curry, one of those guys that's somewhat immune to that stuff. But again, he doesn't get to the rim. It's all pull-up jump shooting. So they will go as pull-up jump shooting goes. And if Kevin, like, this is what happened against, uh, uh, against Boston last year. He wasn't making them in game one. And then he wasn't making them in game two. And you keep telling yourself, like, maybe they'll go in. But then he doesn't make them in game three. And then he makes some of them in game four, but it's not enough. And here we are two games in, and that problem is at the surface again. I believe Kevin Durant will get going in game three and game four in Phoenix. And I believe he will have an imprint on this series. I refuse to believe that KD will go out like he did last year. I I, I think too highly of him as a basketball player. But as a team... That's what KD and Devin Booker rely on, and it's a problem. And Chris Paul's out, so your aggregate ball handling and shooting has now fallen off. And Denver looks like they're in great shape because they lost it. They won a game where nobody else could make a damn shot. I do want to give them a bunch of credit. The defensive effort was insane tonight. Aaron Gordon was amazing. Bruce Brown was amazing. I thought Jamal Murray did an excellent job on the defensive end to compensate for some of the issues he was having on offense. Nikola Jokic did a nice job just playing center field on everything. Denver deserves a ton of credit. But Phoenix is in some trouble, man. I. It just doesn't... They're not getting anything easy. There's no bread and butter that they're getting that you're like, oh, we're going to get this 8 out of 10 possessions here in a big game 5 down, uh, down the stretch. And that concerns me. Um, They better... They, they need to get a good boost from their home crowd and they need to, and they need, they're going to need Chris Paul to come back. All right, let's move on to, uh, that like what I think was one of the wildest and most embarrassing playoff losses that I can remember seeing. This is a Boston Celtics team, by the way, that wasn't overly impressive in the first round that pretty much ever since the loss to golden state, uh, about midway through the season, wasn't the same type of dominant squad that they were earlier in the season. Ended up losing that one seed that they, you know, uh, that I believe they needed. Of course, they got uh, bailed out by that uh, from that by the Milwaukee uh, early exit. But this team is just—they've been getting by more on on reputation as of late, and a lot of the same ugly things that you would ex- uh, that that we've grown to expect from Boston in certain situations came to the surface again in this one. Um, Joe Missoula, for whatever reason, 
as this game denigrated into a five-out contest, again, take Joel Embiid out. Suddenly you've got James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, right? Two good guards. You've got Tobias Harris, um, who was amazing defensively in this game, but is a guy who can make some plays off the bounce, had a big driving layup off Al- on Al Horford at the end. But then you've got two non-factors offensively on the floor at all given at any given moment, whether it was you know PJ Tucker and Jaden McDaniel or J- uh, Jalen McDaniels or PJ Tucker um, and Paul Reed. There, there's non non-threats on the floor at any given moment versus a five-out lineup in Boston that was what Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart. Jason and Jalen and Al Horford. Every single one of them is an offensive threat. And look, I was disappointed in Joe Missoula tactically for not getting the ball out of James Harden's hands when there were two non-scorers on the floor. But let's forget about that for a second and just look at the simple fact that even if they're playing one-on-one all game long, how in the world do you lose that matchup? You've got about twice as much aggregate offensive skill and about twice as much aggregate defensive talent in a five-out drive-and-kick contest. And I, I put most of the blame on the defensive end of the floor. Like, I went back and I watched every single Boston Celtics offensive possession down the stretch. There were some bad ones in there. Like, I don't know why you're posting up Marcus Smart on the final possession. Like, I don't really see the point there. Um, they were pretty late into the shot clock to attack. There, there was a, and um, every time they got into late shot clock situations, Doc Rivers did a nice job of sending doubles. Boston was really trying to attack Tyrese Maxey. And there were a couple tricky things in there, right? Like they, one time Jason Tatum got switched on Tyrese Maxey and then like dribbled the clock out. And then James Harden was able to double and there wasn't enough time on the clock. So they ended up throwing up, a, he ended up throwing up a crazy fadeaway. There's another play. Marcus Smart gets Tyrese Maxey switched onto him, gets the switch he wants, and then passes out of it to Jalen Brown, who ends up like uh, dr- uh, 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 driving on on um, uh, on somebody out of the corner. I think it was off of P.J. Tucker. So th- like there was some bad execution in there, but they got a lot of good looks. Malcolm Brogdon shot a wide-open three that he missed down the stretch. Al Horford had a wide-open three in the left corner that he missed. Malcolm Brogdon had a wide-open one-dribble pull-up that he missed coming out of the left corner. There was a play where... Um, uh, there was a play where Jason Tatum may or may not have gotten fouled on a chaotic sequence where he's right at the rim. There, there was some bad luck in there. But how in the world were you allowing James Harden to work in single coverage? Every other team that we've seen, it's like, oh, we're going to ignore Josh Okoji and have Nikola Jokic just double team or come way up high and 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 bother everything in uh, Phoenix's pick and roll action. Oh, you know. Jared Vanderbilt's out there. We're just going to have uh, Jaron Jackson just ignore him and, and, and just double every single time. Like, how is it that you're letting James Harden just get to his step back and not either doubling him on these ball screens, telling Al Horford and these other guys, like, push up on him. If he drives by you, we have help. We don't have to guard two of these guys. I, I just thought it, it was such a bizarre game. It was such a bizarre game. And I want to give James Harden credit. He made the shots. And, like, the last shot he hit, that that step back three over, over, over Al Horford, like, that's a tough shot. That's defended perfectly well. But you gave James Harden the chance for his elite shot making to carry you over the top. If you press him and force him to drive there, he's driving into all this help, the help that's there because you don't have to guard two of the guys. There was a play. Do you guys remember the Tobias Harris three at the top of the key? That was literally, I want to say it was Tatum 
and Horford in a Harris-Harden screen. That's got to be a switch. That's got to be a switch. Instead, they ran a drop. Tatum chasing over the top as as Harden's driving left. Just What is the number one thing you can use to beat a drop coverage? A pick and pop with a real shooter. Just throws it back to Tobias Harris. He's wide open at the top of the key. Basically, Joe Missoula and the Celtics allowed James Harden to play pickup basketball like he was at the YMCA down the stretch of this game, while on the other end of the floor, it was timely doubles, it was chaotic rotations, it was frenetic effort, and and Philly just outplayed them on both ends of the floor. And James Harden just alpha those dudes in Boston. And again, like, here's the deal. My guess is that Joel Embiid sits out game two as well since they got their split. Try to buy him some rest. I think there's a hefty chunk of days off in there somewhere too, if I remember correctly with the schedule. Boston's going to beat the shit out of them in game two. I, I like, they're, they're just better. Again, like, look at those lineups I told you about. How does Paul Reed and PJ Tucker with Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and James Harden soundly outplay Jalen and Jason with Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford? That should never happen. They are twice as talented on both ends of the floor. They should dominate game two. But what happened in this game is everything that's so discouraging about the Celtics team. Playing down to the competition, not recognizing the opportunity that they have. Milwaukee just lost to Miami. You are going to play the winner of Knicks Heat. You are going to be a monster favorite in that series. There are four teams in the Western Conference that are going to murder each other. LeBron and Draymond and Anthony Davis and Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry, they're going to beat the shit out of each other for six or seven games. You literally are watching the Nuggets and Suns doing it to each other. Then the winner of those two series are going to do it to each other. Beat the Sixers without Embiid. Go beat the Heat or the Knicks and get, like, this is parting like the Red Sea for you to win the NBA championship and you are going out there and getting outplayed by James Harden in a phase of his career where he has no business doing that to you. I, I, I easily one of the worst playoff losses I've ever seen. I can't. I can't even believe it. Um, that's all we have for tonight. We're going to come back t- uh, tomorrow night breaking down Game One of the Warriors and uh, Celtics series, and or excuse me, Warriors Lakers, and I believe that's um, Knicks Heat Game Two. And then Wednesday morning, we're going to be doing a show with the Nerd Sesh guys, the new guys. Welcome to the volume. Those of you guys who remember Carson from our uh, shows that we did, we're going to be doing a show with them on Wednesday, and we'll dive back into both of these series at that point. I'm going to watch some tape, try to learn a little bit more about uh, how these series are going the way that they're going. But man, another bizarre night in the NBA playoffs. All right, guys, that is all I have. I'll see you tomorrow evening. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.